Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning. It's great to see everybody this morning. Welcome to everyone that's watching online and on Spectrum Cable. We're certainly glad to have you with us today as we kick off the Advent season. It's hard to believe that the Christmas season is already here. And uh, our theme this year is we're going to be talking about the songs of Christmas, the carols uh, of Christmas, those amazing songs that you hear over and over. Uh, I wanted to thank everyone that helped decorate the uh, the church for Christmas this year. Uh, when it's combined with Thanksgiving, that first Sunday of Advent, it's hard to get people together and appreciate everybody that came out and did that. So if you actually helped and you're here today, we just raise your hand and, and uh, let people know that, that you helped out. Okay, nobody helped in this service. As it, it looked like they were there. Appreciate you all going the extra mile. For, no, I'm just... just <laughs> but we did have a lot of people that, that were helping uh, out. So today, uh, the song that we're going to be talking about is one that you've heard many, many times. Uh, it's Go Tell It on the Mountain. And we're going to be over in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 67. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 67. Now, the story of Go Tell It on the Mountain uh, has an interesting beginning, and we'll get to the end uh, a little bit later. But at the end of the Civil War... Uh, Fisk University was started in Nashville, Tennessee. It was uh, 1866, uh, about a decade or so after the end of the Civil War. It was one of the first black colleges in the entire South. They began with some old Union Army barracks and a plot of land, and that was about it. Absolutely no money. Here's a picture of the original Fisk uh, University campus. Uh, that's all that there was there uh, in Nashville at that particular time. Five years later, in 1871, the school was totally bankrupt and about to go under. And they were trying to think of something to do to save the school. They had a really popular singing group called the Fisk Jubilee Singers. And so they had the idea of sending the Fisk, the Fisk Jubilee Singers on a tour around the country to raise some money. And this is a picture of the actual very first Fisk Jubilee Singers that went on that tour. And so they, they emptied out the coffers. Every penny they had in the entire university was given to these singers to travel around to try to make some money to bring back to the school. Now, their director was a guy by the name of John Wesley Work Jr., and he had an interesting idea that the singers at first said no to. And his idea was this. If all we do is go out and sing songs that are popular, you're going to get a few people in the crowd a lot. Some people are going to enjoy it, but it's not going to really do what we want it to do. He said, I want us to sing spirituals. I want us to sing those songs that we sang out in the fields when we were slaves, songs of hope, songs of trying to, to say that God was there even in the midst of our pain and suffering. And at first the Jubilee singers said, no, we don't want to do that. We're not going to sing these songs. They're very personal. They're very private. Uh, they're very intense, and we don't want to sing those songs. But they finally agreed to do it. And when they started the tour, nobody had ever heard any of these spiritual songs before. Uh, they were songs that they had sung in the fields. And as they begin to sing them, the passion and the depth and, and the hope of the people that was singing them came through. 
The, the, the concert tour was a tremendous success. They were actually sent to Europe at the end of it. And when they came back, Fisk University had been on a strong financial footing ever single since. And so an amazing thing that happened, the hope that came from that one tour. Well, we're going to look into a scripture passage this morning that is also a song of hope at Christmas. You know, the Christmas story actually begins before the birth of Jesus or the announcement of the birth of Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, it actually begins with the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. And the announcement of the birth of John was because John was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. John was going to be the one that prepared the way for people so that when the Messiah came, they would be ready for him. And uh, as we pick up in our scripture, what's going on is John's father, Zechariah, was in the temple serving God, and he and his wife were childless. Uh, they were unable to have children. They were now past the age of childbearing. Uh, they weren't even thinking about children. When the angel Gabriel appeared and told them they were going to have a son, and their son was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. But Zechariah said, no, this can't be. We're too old. It's not going to happen. I don't believe it. And because of his unbelief, he was unable to speak until the child was born. And when his child, John, was born, he gave this great prophecy, this great song uh, that we see in, Zechariah, in uh, Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at half of it today and half of it next week. And so we start out, and the first thing we see is this. When life's inevitable troubles overwhelm us, we need to look to Jesus, our Redeemer, Rescuer, and Savior. Look down to the psalm now, uh, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 67. And it says this, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Now, when John was born, this was a very troubled time in Israel. It was a troubled time because uh, the, the people were now in slavery, basically, to the Romans. Rome had taken over that area. They were paying taxes to Rome. Uh, they felt like they were defeated. They wondered where God was, why God wasn't doing anything to save them. And they looked forward to this coming of the Messiah. And what Zechariah is saying, this Messiah is about to come, and this Messiah is going to do three things, our scripture passage tells us. The Messiah is going to redeem, he's going to save, and he's going to rescue. All three of those are used in what Zechariah has to say. Redeem, save, and rescue. So I guess the question I would ask of you today is to look at your life for just a second and ask yourself those questions that we just said, and that's this. What in your life needs to be redeemed right now? What in your life needs redemption? What in your life needs to be saved right now? Where do you need God's saving in your life at this very moment? Where do you need rescuing in your life at this very moment? It's something that's personal to each of us. It's something that matters to us individually that every person will have a completely different answer. Because life's troubles are going to come upon us it's inevitable you're going to have troubles and heartaches and tough times. And when they come, we've got to know where to look. Some of you have personal problems, addictions, lack of discipline, anger issues. We have relationship issues with our spouses, our friends, our children, our parents. We have financial issues and job issues and house issues. We have health issues. 
We have issues that are totally out of our control like natural disasters and stock market crashes and inflation and wars and political turmoil and worldwide pandemics. But what does any of this have to do with Christmas? You see, Christmas didn't start with the coming of Jesus. Christmas started with the fall in the Garden of Eden. And in the fall of the Garden of Eden, everything changed. This isn't the planet God created. We are fallen, sinful people living on a fallen planet with a dedicated enemy against us. Now, few people see the world in that light, but that's the truth of the world in which you live in. You live as fallen people in a fallen world with a dedicated enemy opposing you. And in that scenario, God sent Jesus to be the Redeemer, the Rescuer, and the Savior of this world that was out of control in about every way. In the passage of Scripture uh, that Mark and Rosa read earlier out of Isaiah 61, this is the passage of Scripture that Jesus actually quoted when he said, this is the reason I've come. And I just wanted to go over a little bit with you. Why did Jesus come? His own words. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the captives, release from darkness to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn and grieve, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of despair. In a world out of control, Jesus was the one to come to put it all back into place. So wherever you're hurting right now, wherever you need rescuing, redeeming, saving, the fact of the matter is Christmas is for you because that's why Jesus came. To put aside all the things that were hurting this world and to bring the redemption of God over the fall and the curse that brought those things. You see, when we put it in perspective, there's not an area of your life that's out of control right now that Jesus doesn't put back together. If you look at your marriage and you say, well, in my marriage right now, I'm having issues with my spouse. Things aren't going well. Well, you could say, okay, originally God has a plan for marriage, and it's a good plan, but somewhere along the line, we've messed up that plan of God, and we need to get back to it. And that's what Jesus came to do. And, of course, the number one thing that we needed saving from is our sins. Our personal failures, shortcomings, wrong acts, thoughts, the things that we have done that have hurt ourselves and hurt others. And we can't be good enough or know enough to be able to save ourselves from our own sin. And Christmas is not the end of the story, it's the beginning of the story. Christmas is God sending his son who would grow up and die on a cross to take our sins upon him that we might be forgiven. And so that's the ultimate saving. That's the ultimate putting together what is made wrong, is that Jesus has now taken our sins upon him. And for most of us, we weren't even looking for God. We weren't in some big search for God. God appeared, God came to us, and we found his love, his grace, and his salvation. Read an interesting story this week. A guy by the name of Dave Ensey and his wife were celebrating their fifth anniversary. And so he thought it would be romantic to go back to where uh, they had their first date. The problem was they had their first date in the middle of the summer, and it was uh, now getting really cold uh, last week uh, on the Snake River in Idaho Springs. Uh, but they decided to go there anyway. Uh, when they got there, everything was iced over, and they decided, well, we don't, we don't want to go down uh, to where we were at the river. We'll just stop on the bridge and, and look at it. And so he said they got out, the wind hit. He thought, okay, it's time to get back in the car. 
when suddenly they saw somebody on the other side of the bridge who got to the top and jumped into the water. And Dave knew the guy was trying to kill himself. And he ran over, jumped into the water himself, and the guy began to scream, no, no, I just want to die. But he swam over and he grabbed him and he pulled him to shore. By the time he got there, his wife had already called uh, 911. EMS was there. And later the man would come to him and say, thank you for what you did. Sometimes we're not even trying to save ourselves, but Jesus comes anyway, and he comes with a great salvation. And that brings us to the second thing that we see in our scripture passage. When we remember how God has worked in the past, it should encourage us in the present. We remember how God has worked in the past, it should encourage us in the present. Look at verses 72 and 73. He came to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. So Zechariah connects this coming of the Messiah with the prophecies and the work of God in the past. You see, the coming of Jesus wasn't God's backup plan. The coming of Jesus wasn't something God said, well, all this failed, maybe I'll, I'll try Messiah now. But the coming of Jesus was God's plan since the fall of creation in the Garden of Eden. His plan was to send Jesus. And if you read from the Old Testament on, it's a fulfilling of God coming to send Jesus. That's why in verse 70 we're told that this coming of the Messiah was predicted by the prophets a long time ago. And then in the passage we just read from 72 and 73, we're told that it's, it's our ancestors, it was a holy covenant sworn to Abraham. Now what was the covenant sworn to Abraham? In Genesis 12, Abraham was told, you're going to be a great people, you're going to have a promised land, and you're going to bless the whole world. Two of those three things had happened. They were a great nation. Uh, they had a promised land. But now, in the coming of the Messiah, they were going to bless the entire world. But what does any of that have to do with us today? The encouraging thing for us today is to look back and know that God has worked in the past, that God has a plan, and in your hurt, in your places where you need redeeming, rescuing, and saving, God is still there, God is still working, and God still has a plan for you just as he did in the past. You are not alone. And as we come to the Christmas season, we are reminded that just as God's plan was to send Jesus to save us, that God has a plan for you and your life, and we need to turn to him and trust him and say, just as with the prophets long ago, God is coming for us. And that should encourage us, and we should look at our lives and say, okay, where's God worked in the past? I've had troubles before. God's always shown up. In my troubles in the present, God's going to show up again. And that should encourage us and help us and let us know that God's plan is active in our lives today if we'll just look to him. It's very personal for each of us. I read another interesting story this week about a lady by the name of Terry Clark. She's a 911 uh, operator in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. She finished her shift last week. She was, she was leaving, and they were getting a, a, an inordinate number of calls. All these calls were coming into the 911 line, and they were, they were severely understaffed. And so she was walking out, and the, the board was lighting up, and she finally sighed and said, Okay, I'm going to stay till all this gets under control, and uh, I'm going I'm to stay over my ship, and I'm going to help out. So she, she began to, to take the 911 calls. Just a few minutes after she sat down, she received a 911 call from a McDonald's in New Orleans, Louisiana. 
A guy had come in with a gun, was robbing the store. The employees had gone to the freezer, locked themselves into the freezer, and the person calling 911 was Terry's daughter, Tanya. She was working that night and called 911, having no idea that it was going to be her mother that answered the phone. And so she called, and she's panicked. She's saying, he's out there. He's trying to get in the freezer. We don't know what to do. And suddenly she knew it was her daughter, and she said, baby, it's mama. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. And she said then her training went over, and she began to tell her the, the, the police unit is only three minutes away. Just bar the door with something. They're only two minutes away. I'm, gonna, I'm with you. I'm not going to do anything. I'm talking with you. You're going to be there the whole time. And later her daughter said, you won't believe the comfort and the peace I had knowing I was talking to my mom on the telephone. Here's a picture of them right there afterwards uh, after uh, uh, they'd gotten together after the incident. But to know in your life that in your hurt and in your pain and in your troubles that God has worked in the past, that you are a part of a long line of history, and that Jesus has come to redeem, to rescue, and to save you from all the things in your life that are hurting you. It doesn't mean that all of your problems disappear and you never have any troubles. It means that you will never face a problem alone again, and one day all of those problems will be made right in Christ Jesus. That should be an encouragement to us. And that brings us to the last thing we see in our scripture. God's help in the past and care in the present should cause us to worship him without fear. Look at verses 74 and 75. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So Zechariah says this Messiah that's going to come is going to rescue us from our enemies. And then he says something interesting. He's going to enable us to serve him without fear. Again. Where's the fear in your life right now? Where's the anxiety? What keeps you awake at night? And you just can't go to sleep and it just keeps going over in your mind over and over again. Where's the fear? Because that's why Jesus came. Jesus came saying, I know you're hurting. I know there's problems. I know this isn't the perfect world I planned on it being. And guess what? I've come to, give you, to be your redeemer, your rescuer, and your savior in whatever is burdening you today. So whatever fear you have right now, whatever is causing that despair in your life, you need to know that's what Christmas is about. God coming to rescue you from the things that are holding you down and keeping you from living the life that he would have you to live. And what an encouragement that is to know that God has worked through the past. He sent Jesus, and Jesus has come to redeem, to rescue, and to save us. Anybody here like the television show Friends? Okay, some of you won't admit it, but you do. Anybody ever binged watch Friends? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Oh, there's one in the back as well. Been watching more than once? Okay, okay, same people, same, same people. All right, anyway, uh, Matthew Perry plays Chandler on Friends. He just wrote an autobiography. Probably some of you have seen that uh, come out. Got a, uh, this is from the People magazine this week. Uh, uh, you know, I'm ready to tell my story, uh, which is what his autobiography is about. He tells a really interesting story in his autobiography. 
He said that uh, by the age of 18, he was already an alcoholic. Uh, but he was a functioning alcoholic. He could do his job, all that, and then he'd go home and drink the rest of the night. And then as he got a little bit older, it went from alcohol to pills and back and forth, uh, and he said he just kept getting further and further on the cycle of addiction. He said when he was 24 years old, he prayed to God, God, they say you can do anything. So this is my prayer. God, I pray you will make me rich and famous. If you're such a great God, make me rich and famous. You won't believe it, but it was just a few weeks later he got the call that he was going to be on the cast of a new show called Friends. And a few years after that, he was making $1 million per episode of Friends. He was rich and he was famous. And he said his life was a mess. He's more and more into alcohol, more and more into pills. He said, you can watch Friends, and you can tell if he was on pills or alcohol. He said that uh, if you looked at it, and he was a, a little bit heavier in those scenes, if he was carrying some weight, he was drinking way too much. And he said, then there would be a season where he was really skinny. And he said, that's because I was off of the alcohol, and I was on pills, and I couldn't eat anything because of the pills. And he said, you can just watch his addiction by watching the shows. He said seasons three through six, he couldn't tell you anything about any episode or anything that ever happened because he was drunk or stoned every second of the year for those three to four years that was there. He went to rehab several times, spent $9 million trying to stop his addiction. And he said nothing helped at all. And he said finally, after waking up in a stupor, he was laying in his floor, and he said his whole life he believed a man doesn't cry. And he said he sat there, and he got down on his hands and knees, and he said, Lord, you answered my prayer, and you gave me what I wanted, and I'm miserable. You gave me fame and money, and I'm the most miserable person in the world. I don't want it anymore. I just want you Please forgive me and save me. And Matthew Perry's entire life changed from that very moment. He said from that time, the alcohol, the pills, he began to find ways to deal with them. God raised him up, and his whole life has become different about it. And now he's ready to tell that story. You see, what Matthew Perry found out was that we live in a world where problems are going to inevitably come. And when those times come, we need to know that we have a God who looked at a world that was out of control and gave us hope when he sent his son Jesus to be our redeemer, our rescuer, and our savior. Let's have a prayer. Father, we just pray that each of us would look at our lives and how out of control that they are sometimes and realize that that's why you came. That Christmas isn't about nice, cute songs or, or good shows on television. It's about you coming to a world that was hurting with love. Father, give us the courage to look to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to this time of invitation. I guess the first thing that I would say is for you again to look at your life and ask, where do I need redeeming, rescuing, saving? Where are the fears in your life? And to say, Lord, I'm going to turn that over to you today.
I'm not going to carry it any longer. You can do that right where you're standing. You can come pray at this altar. You can come pray with ministers. It'll be down front, but just turn that over to God. Wherever you're afraid right now, just give it to him. You can come at this time and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing, and everybody needs a church family to help them through this world. But the most important thing you'll ever do is to say, I want Jesus Christ in my life because God can't handle the other things going on in your life until you first give him your life as, his Lord, as your Lord and Savior. And come and say, I want to follow you. I want to follow you in baptism. And you make that decision today. But you respond as God leads you. You know, it's interesting that we were talking about the Fisk Jubilee Singers and how they took that tour. One of the songs they sang on that tour was a Christmas song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And the reason they sang it was that uh, every Christmas, from the time Fisk University was open, the students would gather at dawn and they would sing that song. It was a song that was written out in the fields when, they were, when uh, uh, slavery was still going on. And it's different than a lot of spirituals. It's different than a lot of spirituals because it doesn't go through a lot of the hurt and the pain. What it goes through is there's hope in Jesus. And they were saying the spiritual was written intentionally to say if he's, if he's the answer, we just need to look at him and find the hope that is in him. And go tell people everywhere that there's hope in Jesus. We're going to stand and sing together. Go tell it on the mountain. And as we do, you respond however God's leading you. Uh, as I said, what makes that spiritual so different than most of them is that instead of going through the pain and the suffering, the only thing it does is point you to Jesus. Uh, he's the hope and the salvation, and that was uh, the answer of Christmas. Uh, I am looking for Jason Adams. Is Jason here? Oh, no, he's sneaking up on me. There he is. Well, this is our first official Sunday that Jason Adams is our new church administrator and I wanted you to see him so uh, you could complain to him instead of me about anything that, that you may have uh, that's there. Go tell it to the mountain here uh, when, when, you, when you've got it there. Uh, Jason, we're excited to have you starting with us and I uh, look forward to that. Let's give him a good... Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to you and uh, you can have our closing prayer and if you want to say anything, please do so as well or... If, Want to fill in any gaps I had in the scripture? That's fine, fine as well. But glad you're with us, brother. Let us pray. Father God, uh, thank you for the time this morning to uh, simply give us a chance to be still, be quiet, seek you, acknowledge you, trust your plan, and trust your promise. Hey, Michael, good to see you. Father, I ask that you continue to embolden everybody in this room, everybody that's listening online, to continue to shine your light to the world. Oh, gosh, young people both on their telephone. And and lastly, with the upcoming Christmas season, uh, where the world will be looking at the church, I ask that you embolden us to walk the walk to show the world what the true reason is for this season. I ask this in your uh, son's perfect name, I pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, 
we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.